Welcome to episode 16 of the Ball Street Podcast, now available wherever you get your podcasts and at Ball Street Pod on Instagram and Twitter. There's an old proverb that says a man's got to make one bet a day or else he could be walking around lucky and never know it. We'll see about that. Let's get started. Possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. You don't know where I've been, Lou. Oh my god. You can't spot the sucker in your first half hour, then you are the sucker. You're busy living, you're good busy dying. I always tell it. Even when I lie. I'm on a game. I'm on a hustle. Come on. We've been What is up, my Wall Street elites? Yes, my essential workers. Welcome back. Welcome back to episode 16 of the Wall Street Podcast, recording live from the studios of the Wall Street Podcast, which, of course, is my car at around 808, 808 and heartbreaks in the morning on Thursday morning on July 30th, 2020. Rona, goodbye. It's your day to go bye-bye. You know why? Basketball is back. Listen, I'm not going to bore you with a whole rant about how sports are back because all my Ball Street elites and, uh, and essential workers, we know that sports has been back. Sports has been back for eons already. We've had soccer. All you got to do is go across the pond. All you got to do is get out of your American central brain I noticed that sports has been back for quite some time now. However, we are finally getting God's gift to the earth, James Naismith's gift to everybody that loves sports so much. And I'm talking, of course, about basketball. We are back. I'm so excited. Thursday, July 30th, the day that the world said, Rona, be gone. But before we get into all of that, I want to get a little serious on you. I know it's rare that I get serious with you guys all the time. We did it a couple times. I'll admit that. And when I need to get serious with you and my and my people, my Ball Street elites, my essential workers, I'll do it. We have a lot of stories to get into, but perhaps none are more important than this public service announcement that I'm going to get into right now. So for those who don't know, um, I have a brother. I have a brother that I used to do a podcast with, a brother that I reference uh, many times in this podcast um, to frequently. I, I reference him frequently on this podcast. What my brother does for a living, though, is he's on the front lines. He's an essential worker. He is on the front lines of a major epidemic. He's a drug counselor out in Seattle, and he wanted me to make sure that I touch on this subject because it's, it's very important. And of course, I'm talking about the crack epidemic that is sweeping Seattle. It's a problem. It's a big problem. But if you think I'm talking about the drug, think again. The Seattle Kraken is here to stay. The hockey team, the Seattle Kraken. And I don't want to get too far into this. Everybody knows I'm not a hockey guy. I'm not. 
I've been a New Jersey Devils fan since the day I've been born. But besides that, hockey's not my main sport. I'll watch hockey. I like hockey. But the Seattle Kraken, I couldn't be more on board with. There is a whole anti-fun group that is that, that, that exists, which is kind of frustrating, that hates the Seattle Kraken. The Seattle Kraken got announced, and they're like, what the hell does the Kraken have to do with Seattle? You know what I say? Who cares? The Kraken, it's an old pirate's tale. It's that giant squid monster that swallows ships up whole. Maybe it's Nordic. Maybe it's from uh, all the European sailors back in the day. Who cares? Seattle, the city by the bay. It's on the water. It has every right to the Kraken. I'm sure there's a Kraken or two by the bay in Seattle. I'm sure there is. But it's an epidemic. It's a problem. And my brother wanted me to alert the media, alert my following of the epidemic that's going on in Seattle. And the Kraken is here to stay. It was a big week for naming teams. We have the Seattle Kraken, which I'm going to go broke buying gear for. And then out of Washington, D.C., you got a name change to the racist name of the old football team that inhabited Washington, D.C. I'm not even even going to say the name. It's that disgusting. I'm not going to do that. it's, It's a terrible name. But there is a new football team in Washington, D.C. And if you haven't heard this story based off of what I just told you, would you be able to guess the name? Probably, because their name is now the Washington football team. And since they announced the name of the Washington football team, I've done a complete 180. Everybody that listens to this podcast knows that I am very anti-public opinion. I'm very anti-public opinion. And the public opinion automatically goes against what Dan Snyder did. Everybody will tell you it's a, it's a stubborn billionaire just trying to get his way, doesn't want to change his name, doesn't want to change the brand. So instead, he's going to kick and scream his way to the finish line. Even though he has an incredibly racist name for his football team, he wasn't going to do anything until he was forced to change it. And since he was forced to change it, he pretty much looked everybody in the eye and spat in their face and called his team, the Washington football team, did not even have the decency to carry on the American tradition of naming his team. But I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm super mad about his decision to name it to the Washington football team. See, I'm a huge soccer advocate. One of my biggest problems in the MLS is that we see a lot of soccer teams adopting the European culture with soccer. That's my biggest problem with MLS. I think MLS would be far better served if they Americanized soccer. And what I mean by that is by naming the teams. In in uh, in Europe, you see teams all the time. You got Barcelona, which is a city. It's not it has no mascot, just Barcelona Football Club. You got Liverpool, Liverpool Football Club, Manchester United, Manchester City. These guys don't really have a logo. They don't have a mascot. And that's cool. I'm not going to hate on it. That's a European thing. My problem, though, is that in the MLS in America, you have a whole bunch of teams that are like NYC FC, Cincinnati FC. And I'm just like, why? That's not an American thing to do. American sports has adopted a culture of 
naming their teams. You don't have to copy what the other people do just because the sport that is largely dominant in the sport does not have logos and nicknames. Own the sport if it's the way that it goes in your country. That's the way I think about that. But what does this have to do pertaining to my opinion on the Washington football club or the Washington football team? You see how I just did that? I automatically just put the two together. And I, the reason why I don't hate it as much is because I see a lot of people hating the Washington football team who will also root for teams like NYCFC or Manchester United or the Liverpool Football Club or this, this, and that. It doesn't matter who it is, but they don't have a logo or team name. So because those people are hypocrites, they're going to turn me into somewhat of a hypocrite, but my overpowering anti-public opinion will trump anything. And that is why I like the Washington football team. I think Dan Snyder's original. I think he's adopting that European mindset, a little bit of culture shock for you Americanized people. And he named his team what a European soccer team would name their team, the Washington football team. And you know what? That's a hell of a lot better than the name that they had. I think we can all agree on that. It's not original. It's not very cool. But, you know, big week for naming sports franchises. I, I mean, I, I don't think Washington football team beats the Seattle Kraken. I'm going to be all about the Seattle Kraken. I said that before. But, again, for the anti-fun part of the world that's like the Kraken this has nothing to do with Seattle. They should have been called the Sockeyes or the Orcas. By the way, I would have been super down for that. But the Kraken, cool hockey name. Cool hockey name. But one thing that the Seattle Kraken needs to do, and they will be, it'll be a giant swing and a miss if they don't do this. They will miss the puck, hockey term. They will miss the puck on a slap shot, on a one-timer, with an open net. If they don't do this, they need to call their stadium the crack house, and they need to call their fans the crackheads. I think that that is a layup. I think it would be the greatest thing that the Seattle Kraken has ever done. I think it would be the greatest thing that a a, a sports franchise would do if they just lean into it and go the funny route for a second. I get that the drug epidemic is actually a big thing. But it would just be a funny thing if they just called themselves the crackheads and they played in the crack house. But then also there would be like a subsection of Seattle Kraken fans who are actually recovering crackheads. And they were like, oh, I've been a crackhead for way longer than you guys have been. And I think it would just spark a lot of funny arguments. I think it's a layup personally. I think that it should happen. But we have a lot of stories to get into. So those are the the new name, new teams coming to you in major sports in America and the reasons why I like them. But American sports are back. For those who live in the American-centric universe and need to say things that I know that my Ball Street elites aren't saying, my essential workers aren't saying, because we've been on the sport train for eons now. We've had soccer, we've had UFC fights, we've we've had big sporting events all over the world that we have been hustling on, gambling on, frontline workers, essential workers, churning the wheel, churning the wheel, dollar in a dream, salt of the earth, the foundation, that's what we're doing. So we know. 
But American sports are back for the American-centric mind, which meant that baseball started this week. And here's the thing. A forgotten storyline through all of the coronavirus epidemic is it, it, it really did not take precedent in a trying time, like a worldwide Oh, man, I'm going to piss off my, my producer, Troy, because he told me about this in a worldwide pandemic. He hates it when people say worldwide pandemic because pandemic already applies that it's worldwide. So sorry, Troy, for that one. But in a pandemic like this, people forgot about a major storyline in sports, and that's the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros who were giant cheaters and were caught cheating and were the Bane to baseball society and this, this, and that. See, I'm not anti-cheating. I'm anti-getting caught. I've been on this podcast saying that before. I do not hate the Houston Astros for cheating. But I condemn them because they got caught. If you can use anything to your advantage, I say do it. But if you get caught, then you look like an idiot with egg on your face. And that's what the Houston Astros look like. But here's the thing. The Houston Astros thought that the coronavirus might have saved their image. They thought that because the coronavirus was such a big thing that everybody forgot about the Houston Astros. They thought that with no fans in the stands, they wouldn't get booed. They thought that the repercussions would never happen to them from this cheating scandal. And you know what? A man named Joe Kelly said, think again. He said, think again, Houston Astros. Sorry, dudes, but you're going to get some some repercussions for your actions. And I'm about this, this poetic justice, this vigilante justice. Again, I'm not I'm not pro beam some dude at the head or like attempted murder because that's essentially what that dude does because Joe Kelly can pitch a ball 96 miles per hour. It's like hurling a little boulder at somebody's head. So I'm not I'm not pro beam some dude in the head. But I am pro sending a message, letting your voice be heard. It's the reason why I started a podcast. I like to have my voice heard. I like to send messages to whoever will listen. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter where it is. But I like my voice to be heard. Some do it better by action. Some do it better by voice. I do it with both. But my podcast is my action. And my voice is my voice. And I'm sitting here telling you, That what Joe Kelly did, he doubled down. It was great. So he threw behind Alex Bregman with a 96-mile-per-hour fastball and then threw at Carlos Correa and later struck him out and pretty much has made like a whining face, a a crying face, and called him a cheater, and he said, nice swing, and he's just like, you can't hit the ball, you can't hit what I pitch without cheating. And he's totally fair to make that argument. Now, Joe Kelly, by all idea of what I, I, I'm not a Joe Kelly guy. Back in the day when he was on the Red Sox, he was an instigator. He threw at Austin Romine, or at least he, I I thought he did. From what I learned about Joe Kelly is that he has just no control whatsoever. He throws nasty stuff, but he has very little control. He broke a window in his house trying to throw a a changeup. And that's just who Joe Kelly is. He has no control. He has no regard. But he's also a psychopath. He likes to get into fights. This isn't a big guy. He's not a a giant dude. And Carlos Correa is. But he's not going to back down from anybody. And he's going to let his voice be heard. So I respect the Joe Kelly grind. I respect having his voice heard. And now I'm Team Joe Kelly. 
I think I'm officially on the bandwagon until they meet the Yankees in the World Series because everybody knows, everybody has it that listens to this podcast, Yankees winning the World Series future against the Dodgers. It's got to happen, but I, I was a big fan of Joe Kelly. But moving on, a lot of stories, a lot of Ball Street stuff, a lot of headlines to get into. Now, this is a storyline that when I saw it, my heart pounded against my chest in excitement. I'm going to have to try to redirect my excitement because I shouldn't be getting this excited about this sporting event that will be coming up in the near future. But this week, Mike Tyson announced that he will be making a grand return to boxing to fight one of my all-time favorite Showtime boxers, Roy Jones Jr., Captain Hook. Go back to the Kraken pirate-themed episode here. A bunch of swashbucklers waving their swords around. But Mike Tyson is set to fight Roy Jones Jr. And as a boxing fan, as a boxing advocate, this got my brain going. I, I was so pumped up for this. And I wanted to see it more than anything. And I'm not, like, I, I don't take serious stands here. I, I don't. I really try to look at the light side of sports. So I, I, I wish I could leave it to my excitement and my excitement alone to make a point on this sporting event. But I'm not sure if anybody has seen videos of Mike Tyson working out. He is equally as psychotic and crazy and powerful and quick as he was when he was inside the ring 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Maybe not as equally as powerful and quick, but he still looks like a monster. Roy Jones Jr. is a 53-year-old man, but he's still fighting. Now, this is where it gets a little sad for me because these guys would never be doing this if they weren't broke. They're both broke. These were both prize fighters. They both made a ton of money in their primes, but but such is the case for a lot of big-name boxers They're irresponsible with their money. They like to show up and show out a little bit. And they go broke. It's a sad, sad thing. So they want to continue fighting despite the health concerns that it has to them. And here's the thing. I really think that somebody might get very hurt in this fight. Like, not your average knockout. Something might go wrong in this fight. I don't want to go too deep into it. But here's the thing. I'm going to gamble on this. I'm definitely going to gamble on this. And I know, I know for a fact that the public will be so heavy on Mike Tyson. And if there's nothing you know about me, that means that I'm not betting on Mike Tyson. I'm going to bet on Roy Jones Jr., who's been fighting, by the way. The guy has not stopped fighting. He's not fighting well, but I'd rather take a bad boxer that's in boxing shape rather than a guy who's been out of the game for 20 years. So here is my future bet to you. Take Roy Jones Jr. Watch that line move. I don't know if there's a line out yet. There probably isn't because it's not for a while. But you better watch that line and watch it move because it's going to swing heavily in Mike Tyson's favor. And I think I'm going to hammer Roy Jones Jr. And then finally, to conclude our headlines for this week, for July 30th, the Knicks, the bane to my existence finally made a decision on their coaching search. And I want to keep this brief because I've been on rants. I I knew it was going to be Thibodeau the whole time. I knew it was going to be 
Tommy Terrific Thibodeau. Are there any two more opposite Toms than Tom Brady and Tom Thibodeau? You get back to me on that. DM me. Come at me on on Instagram and Twitter at Ball Street Pod at B A L L S T R E E T P O D if you have an answer for that. If there's more opposite people with the same name, get back to me. But I don't think that there's more opposite people than Tom Thibodeau and Tommy Terrific Brady. I think that they're the the complete opposite. So when I say Tommy Terrific Thibodeau, it's hyperbole. It's sarcastic in a major major way. But I want to, again, I want to keep this brief. I've been on rants. I said that Knicks, from the start, we're going to hire Thibodeau. He was the overwhelming favorite to start. And the Knicks rarely do anything that shocks me. This is definitely in that category of not shocking. Here's the thing. Basketball has passed Tom Thibodeau by. There's no doubt in my mind that Thibodeau is some sort of genius But he's another guy, he's another genius that's stuck in his ways. We saw that with Phil Jackson. He's also an older guy that can't connect with players that well. We saw that when he was in Minnesota. As opposed to a guy like Kenny Atkinson, who took a Brooklyn Nets team that was in shambles and took a lot of mid-to-late first-round pick-type players and brought them into, not stardom, but relatively, not relatively, but very serviceable Uh, NBA players, took D'Angelo Russell, who was a high draft pick, and then took him to stardom. We saw development there. But Tom Thibodeau, basketball has passed him by. The guy has no concept of what is in need for the NBA now. He was damn near last in three-pointers attempted every every year he was with Minnesota. And here's my final thought, and this is, again, going back to my brother. I think my brother said this best. This is five years away from being a good pick for your head coach and 10 years away from being great. Five years ago, when the Knicks got Jeff Hornacek, which shockingly is three head coaches ago, (laughs) unbelievable. Five years, three head coaches, including Mike Miller. But when the Knicks hired Jeff Hornacek, Tom Thibodeau would have been a good head coach to hire. 10 years ago, 12 years ago, if you want to do the math right, when he was an assistant coach on the Celtics and we were looking for a head coach, he would have been a fantastic, a great pick for the head coach when he got picked by the Bulls and took them to Eastern Conference elitism, Eastern Conference dominance. That would have been a great pick. But alas, here we are in 2020, way past Tom Thibodeau's coaching prime, and the Knicks have another era of basketball to not look forward to. So cheers to the Knicks. Great. So excited to watch them. It's going to be awesome. But the overwhelming theme reigns supreme. How do you like that? That rhymed unintentionally. I did not have that plan. Just, you know, Ball Street brain churning the wheels. That's what's going on. The overwhelming theme reigning supreme for this week is the name change. The Kraken the Washington football team. And with that, we're going to get into the segment that we do every single week, which is the Jerry Stiller Memorial first team all subject. And for this week, it's going to be the Jerry Stiller first team all professional. And for this week, it's going to be the Jerry Stiller Memorial first team all professional sport team names. Start the music.
point guard, hailing from the Meadowlands of New Jersey and later moved to Newark, New Jersey, the New Jersey Devils! Now everybody knows I'm a big Devils fan, but there is a reason why I like the Devils so much. And it's rare that people know why the Devils are called the Devils. People just think it's just like, oh, the Devils. No, the New Jersey Devil is a real thing. It's an old wives' tale. It's a legend of New Jersey. And I'm going to read to you because Wikipedia knows more than I do, and Wikipedia is the greatest source of information. If you are a young kid in school, college, high school, grade school, I'm here telling you, use Wikipedia for everything. I'm trying to be the greatest influence that I can be. I'm trying to use my platform to help you guys out. I'm going to reference Wikipedia's definition of what the New Jersey Devil is and how the legend came to be. So in Southern New Jersey and Philadelphia folklore, let's uh, let's scratch that Philadelphia. It's a New Jersey thing. Because Philadelphia people just hate New Jersey. I think they're just jealous. I don't understand why. Uh, they're just angry people. They throw snowballs at Santa Claus. The Jersey Devil, also known as the Leeds Devil, is a legendary creature said to inhabit the Pine Barrens of South Jersey. The creature is often described as a flying biped with hooves but there are many variations. The common description is that of a kangaroo-like or a wyvern-like creature with a goat or horse-like head, leathery bat-like wings, horns, small arms with clawed hands, legs, and cloven horns, and a forked tail. It has been reported to move quickly and is often described as emitting a high-pitched, blood-curdling scream. If that's not a great legend, I don't know what is. That's a great description. That's what legends are made out of. And that's why I love the New Jersey Devil. And that's why you should love the New Jersey Devil too. New Jersey Devils, your starting point guard on the Jerry Stiller Memorial First Team All-Professional Sports Team names. At shooting guard, hailing from Dallas, Texas, the Dallas Mavericks. Now, anybody that knows me, knows that I am a renegade man. If somebody has renegade-like tendencies, I tend to hop on that bandwagon. I tend to root for athletes that march to the beat of their own drum, who are also productive. That's a renegade. But you know what's a cool version of a renegade? A maverick, a Dallas maverick. It's like a renegade and a cowboy had a baby. And whenever somebody is really good at something, but doesn't really do it nor like like a normal person. They're described as like a maverick. They're really good, but they're different. Like that Jake Lenekin, he's a real maverick of the podcasting game. Good for him. So the Dallas Mavericks, my I mean the, that's my new basketball team with Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic. We'll get more into that a little bit later. But they're the starting shooting guard for the Jerry Stiller Memorial First Team All professional sports team names. At small forward, hailing from Denver, Colorado, the Denver Nuggets! Denver Nuggets works on a lot of different levels. I mean, the Denver Gold Rush, the Colorado Gold Rush, it's historical. It goes with the city name. It's, it's relevant. It works. But it works double because, you know, Denver, Colorado, Colorado, first state, first state to legalize weed. Everybody knows that 
Colorado and marijuana are synonymous, another word for marijuana or weed or chronic, whatever you want to call it, is a nugget, a nugget of weed. There it is. If you're listening to this and you're in high school, grade school, you're welcome for the free information. 27-year-old calling weed nuggets and Denver Nuggets. It works on a lot of different levels. It hits on a bunch of different cylinders. Good on the Denver Nuggets for having the foresight to call their team the Denver Nuggets. I don't even know if when they named the team the Denver Nuggets, that Nuggets was a slang word for weed, but it works, and good for them. That's like Nostradamus or the amazing Kretschkin, as uh, Teddy Atlas would say. Good, good for whoever named the Denver Nuggets. At Power Forward, hailing from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Milwaukee Brewers! I love this team name, very simple. Miller Coors originated in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They named the team for the business of selling beer. Again, if you reference either alcohol or weed in your title, I'll automatically like it. I'm not a pothead, but I, I, I appreciate a good play on words. And I'm not an alcoholic, but I do enjoy a nice tasty cold beverage. And I like names that don't take themselves so seriously. There's a lot of team names that are like the Lions, the Tigers, and unfortunately I'm a Chicago Bears fan, but Bears, oh my, Wizard of Oz reference for all you youngins. But yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers, that's a team that doesn't take themselves too seriously. They have cool branding, it all works together in sync with each other, and they play on Miller Field, which makes it even cooler. They just buy into the beer identity, and I'm about it. So good for the Milwaukee Brewers, your starting power forward on the Jerry Stiller Memorial First Team All Professional Sports Team Names list. And finally, at center, your captain hailing from, wait, what? There's two, New York and Boston, the New York Knicks and the Boston Celtics. I grouped these two together. Very unconventional thing, but this is also the first Jerry Stiller Memorial first team all subject that's literally a subject and it's not people. So I grouped these together because their team name is essentially the same thing, but with different parts of the country. So the New York Knicks were originally known as the New York Knickerbockers. Their colors are orange and blue. Orange and blue is the colors of the Netherlands. And why is this relevant? Because the Dutch settlers in New York were pants makers. That's what a knickerbocker is. And their colors are orange and blue. This is also why New York City's flag is orange and blue. And oftentimes, the Dutch settlers were referred to as what? Knickerbockers. Which is why this team name, impartially, and I'm trying to take all my bias out of it, is the coolest team name of them all. I think that the history behind the Knickerbocker is awesome, and that goes for the Boston Celtics as well. Different culture, different place, but similar reason of why they're called the Boston Celtics, the Irish settlers of Boston. Boston, synonymous with Irish people. Their original settlers were Irish people, and they were called Celtics. And they have bought into their Irish pride way more than the Knickerbockers 
bought into their Dutch pride, but nonetheless, the colors stay the same, and it descends from their original settlers of the cities. So that is your Jerry Stiller Memorial first team, all professional sport team names, and I also have a couple of honorable mentions, first being the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers would have made the team if Reggie Miller wasn't such a Nah, I'm just kidding. It's really not about Reggie Miller, because I have to take all bias out of it. But where the Indiana Pacers screw, screwed up bad, where the Indiana Pacers screwed up bad, was their branding. Because they made it all cartoony, they have some sort of panther-like creature as their mascot. A Pacer is so relevant for the state of Indiana, a place where I live. The Pacer referring to a Pacer car at a racetrack for an Indy car event. And everybody knows that the Indy 500 is held at Indiana. That is their pride and joy. Trust me, I've been there. People come out in droves to watch that thing. So the Indiana Pacers would have made this list if they didn't screw up their branding so terribly bad. The Patriots, honorable mention. I think it's a cool name. It would have been a lot cooler if they weren't the actual Patriots. It's tough to separate the bias. I'm not an anti-Patriot guy, but the Patriots are so elite that you don't really think about how cool the name is. The Boston American thing, like it all started in Boston. The Boston Patriots is like where the Boston Tea Party happened and Paul Revere made his ride, all this stuff. A lot of American history derives from Boston, which is why the New England Patriots is a cool name. The 49ers, San Francisco. Again, going back to that California gold rush, think that's a cool name? honorable mention and finally the Raiders the Raiders are honorable mention not because it's such like a crazy cool team name but their branding their branding makes it for every bit of branding fuck up that the Pacers have the Raiders make up for it exponentially so if you combine the branding the branding prestige of the Raiders and mixed it with the naming prestige of the Pacers you probably would have the all-time greatest team ever I'd be a fan of them immediately and that might, it may or may not be the Seattle Kraken. So good on them. So there it is, Jerry Stiller Memorial First Team All Professional Sport Team Names. So let's go on to our other segment that we have every week, which is Jake's Takes. And as I said before, basketball is back, baby. Bubble trouble. Let's go. Parlays are the bane of my existence. I said the Knicks are. I said a lot of things, but parlays are actually the bane of my existence. Last week, the mush of the week, PSG, they lost early on that one and a half point spread. They looked like a joke. I couldn't stand watching it. It was disgusting. I wanted to end it earlier than it did, but it ended, and I just I wanted to throw up all over the place. But we got basketball back, so that's cool. I got a couple picks. I want to keep this relatively quick. First, I got the Mavs in a pick em versus the Rockets. This is going to be a tone setter on Friday. A tone setter on Friday. Friday tone setter. Mavericks, they're a young, hungry team. I think that the second the bubble starts in the NBA, the real games, because we've seen a bunch of preseason games, but you're going to see that certain teams were ready to go for this bubble. I think a lot of players, this bubble kind of caught them off guard. They probably thought the season was done. They probably thought that basketball wasn't going to happen for a longer time. I think the Mavericks are going to be a team that comes up and surprises a lot of people. And I think the Rockets are not. 
I think the Rockets have a lot of players that kind of pass by a little bit. They give me heavy give-up vibes. Second, I got the Nuggets, minus two against the Heat. Again, this goes back to teams that I believe will be ready. We saw Jokic. We saw Bull Bull. The preseason, everybody was going crazy for the Jokic to Bull Bull connection. Bull Bull looks great, by the way. He looks he looks great. A 7'3 guy that can shoot block shots, who would have thought? Oh, wait, we already had Christos Porzingis. But Bull Bull looks like, kind of like a poor man's Porzingis, which is interesting. But again, it goes back to who will be ready. I'm not saying the Heat won't be, because the Heat is always ready. Spolstra always has his guys ready. Pat Riley always makes sure Spolstra has his guys ready. But I just think the Nuggets are here to stay. I think that they're a dark horse championship run team. They won't because the Lakers are going to win the championship. But nonetheless, I think the Nuggets are an incredibly tough team, an incredibly hungry team, and they play the game of basketball in a very creative way. It goes back to my thoughts on the MLS Cup. We saw a lot of great MLS teams leave the bubble early because they weren't ready to play. I think we're going to see some of this in the NBA as well. Maybe not as extreme because of how much star power dominates in the NBA. But still, I think that the NBA bubble might suffer from a little bit of unpreparedness. Third, I got the Trailblazers versus the Celtics on Sunday. I think the Celtics will come into here uh, as a favorite, a pretty heavy one at that. I think the Trailblazers are a lot hungrier than people give them credit for. Right now, they're sitting right outside of the playoff position, about three games out. And all they need is a small run. It's unlikely, but if you think Dame Lillard is just going to roll over and die without fighting, Mello, CJ McCollum, think again. Those guys are going to come to play. I think that the Trailblazers versus Celtics, if the Celtics are favorite, I'd take Trailblazers' money line. And then finally, I got a pick for you tonight. The Clippers are all in disarray. Lou Will gets caught in Magic City eating wings because he likes the food. He doesn't go to strip clubs for your normal reason. He goes for the food. And to be fair, he does have lemon pepper chicken wings named after him. But I I love the argument that, you know, guys will always go to and be like, I only go for the food. It's just such a stupid argument. You're clearly not. But nonetheless, Lou Will goes to Magic City in the middle of a quarantine. The Clippers will be ready. They'll be ready to go. They still got Kawhi. They still got Paul George. They'll still be ready to go. They're still loaded. But the Lakers are going to come in, and they're going to be ready-er. They're going to, they're going to be ready-er. LeBron knows that he has everybody's eyes on him tonight. He's going to want to show up. He's going to put up some crazy numbers tonight. Mark my words. So that's Jake's takes, and let's move into GOAT of the Week because it's relevant. And I want to talk about the NBA MVP race. The decision is really weighing on me for who I think should win the MVP. My heart says Luka Doncic. The guy's a 21-year-old sensation. He has led a Mavericks team to a Western Conference playoff berth in his second year. The guy's only getting better. He averages damn near a 30-point triple-double in his second season. Derrick Rose won the MVP in his second season and didn't have half the stats that Luka Doncic has. And my heart wants to say Luka Doncic. My brain, however, says, Jake, you know what it is. You know what this is. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's a monster. You know, he, he puts up numbers, he gets wins, he's carried the Bucks to a number one seed in the East. So, like, it, it's tough to say 
in my brain that Luka Doncic will outweigh Giannis in the MVP race. However, our go to the week <laughs> this week is Anthony Davis for being such a good teammate. Because he, he should be the MVP. There's something to say about a guy who goes to a team that was so bad that they didn't even make the playoffs last year and then brings them to the best record in the NBA. That's what Anthony Davis did. Anthony Davis went to a completely terrible a Lakers team that was going through a ton of turmoil and led them to the number one seed in the NBA this year. Anthony Davis is the go to the week. And if you don't believe that he is the sole reason, he's leading the team in points, rebounds, steals, and blocks. Best player on the best team. This guy should easily, he, he should be the MVP this year. And I don't know why more people aren't talking about it. I hear a lot of Luka, I hear a lot of Giannis, but I hear no Anthony Davis, and I don't understand why. It's unbelievable to me. The guy is leading the Lakers in points, rebounds, steals, and blocks. So Anthony Davis, for not for not out for, for not being an outspoken me, me, me guy and telling everybody how much you deserve the MVP, which you do, that is what makes you the go to the week. <laughs> Anthony Davis, go to the week. Okay, you hear that. That is our final bell. And that means that it is time for my final thought. Final thoughts quick. Final thoughts quick today. As quick as I can make it. I always say it's going to be quick and then I end up going on a tangent about how quick it's going to be. So here it is. My final thought. Final bell. Quick. Would you rather be the worst in the pros or the best on the playground? And this doesn't necessarily go for the NBA. Of course, you'd rather be the worst in the pros in the NBA. The worst player in the NBA makes damn near $2 million a year. Of course, you'd rather be the worst in the NBA. I'm talking about the guys in the G League, the guys in AAA, the guys at the bottom of the barrel in the MLS, all these guys. Because if you're a real fan of any one of those things, if you're a big fan of the Hartford Yard Goats or the New York Red Bull or something like that, and you watch these guys who are really bad, all of a sudden, these guys turn into the biggest bum in the world. You get paid not that much. An MLS guy, let's say the MLS gets like 60K a year. The uh, the AAA, AA guys, they get paid probably less than that. You're the worst player on, the, on, on a team not making a lot of money, and you're also developing a reputation of being a bum. Now, here's the thing. If you really hone in on a craft, you could be very good at it. So if you play that sport on the playground or just a recreation league and you're just very good, but you also have a high-paying job that you do elsewhere, wouldn't you rather be that? And my answer to this is yes. I'd rather be the best in the playground than the worst in a professional sports environment. I think that that's a no-brainer. Again, not talking about the NBA. I could be talking about the MLB a little bit. The lowest paid MLB players get paid quite a hefty sum, as do football players. But, you know, your careers aren't that long. And then at some point, you know, you, you, you got to make decisions. So, moral of the story is best in the playground trumps worst in the sports leagues. I got a reputation to keep. I don't want to be known as a bum. 
That's my final thought. That's the final bell. And that is going to conclude episode 16 of the Ball Street Podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you sticking around and listening. Um, Of course, as always, I will tell you to follow me on Instagram and Twitter. That is at Ball Street Pod, at B-A-L-L-S-T-R-E-E-T-P-O-D. Okay, let's speed that up for the people that knows how it goes around here on the Ball Street Podcast. That's on Instagram and Twitter, at Ball Street Pod. That's at B-A-L-L-S-T-R-E-E-T-P-O-D. And tell your friends, tell your family, you can find me anywhere you get your podcast. Anywhere. I dare you. I triple doggy dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Tell them. I'm everywhere you get your podcast. Pass me off. Tell them to get their picks in for the NBA bubble this weekend. And that's going to do it for episode 16 of the Ball Street Podcast. So until next time, remember to hedge your bets. And you don't gamble to win, you gamble so you can gamble the next day. Peace. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June. I said that's life That's life And as funny as it may seem Some people get their kicks Stomping on a dream But I don't let it, let it get me down Cause this fine old world It keeps spinning around I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet, a pawn and a king. I've been up and down and over and out, and I know one thing. Each time I find myself flat on my face, I pick myself up and get back in the race. That's life. That's life. I tell you. I can't deny it I thought of quitting, baby But my heart just ain't gonna buy it And if I didn't think it was worth one single try I'd jump right on a big bird And then I'd fly I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet A pawn and a king I've been up and down and over and out And I know one thing Each time I find myself Laying flat on my face I just pick myself up And get back in the race That's life I'm gonna roll myself up in a big ball and